The tears are dry and our pants are changed. We're back with the Mando Talk Show. I'm Han, the host of Han Talks First, and I'm also joined again by my co-host, Dean. He's right here. How's it going, Dean? How's it going? So we're going to talk about the finale of Mandalorian Season 2, but before we do, here is a clip from Saturday's little video of my reaction to the finale. Oh my god, R2-D2! So yeah, there's a lot more of that. If you want to watch the full video, the link is down in the description below. But we're not going to waste any time today because we got a lot to talk about. This video, we usually try to do 30 minutes. This might be a little bit longer, but we're going to try and cover everything and geek out as much as we can. I'll start with my first thoughts. Just overall, no specifics quite yet. This episode, as you saw in that little clip, made me man cry. This is the kind of material that just makes men weak. And it definitely made me weak. I got everything I'd ever wanted to see. And it was the way it was shot, the way it was directed, the way it was made. This was French Kiss. It was perfect storytelling, I think. And the the way it made me feel was like a kid watching Star Wars for the first time again, seeing some awesome characters come back and just the way they came back. It really, I was up for three hours after, after the episode finished, just crying and celebrating alone in my living room, probably annoying a lot of my neighbors from my screams and my cheers, but it was some of the most magical, some of the most memorable experience I've had watching Star Wars. And my only complaint is that I didn't get to watch it with a group of friends or in a theater or with a community because this was a really really special time for me and we're going to talk about everything that happened in this episode but first let's hear from Dean aka four-legged gamer about his initial thoughts go ahead I I was going crazy um I was jumping up and down um broke my wife's phone case because I thought she (laughs) was spoilers um, <laughs> um that sounds worse than it is but i thought she, she was filming me and then just kind of said no you can't do that i like pushed her phone down into the couch and apparently her phone case cracked from that oh no um, it, it was oh it didn't just everything about that episode from beginning to end it, it felt like it should have been in theaters that, that's just the easiest way to put it it made me feel like i was watching just as Han put it, a good old-fashioned Star Wars movie. Like, nothing more, nothing less. I watched it twice. I won't even deny that. (laughs) Same here. So just so you guys know, we're recording this on the Friday it comes out. Um, So that's what we mean, like, why we're so still hyped up about it. And after watching it twice, I'm sure most of you have watched it many times by now, but this does come out on a Monday. We are recording this on a Friday. So before we really deep dive into it i want to play this recording that i got sent to me from my girlfriend and this is her reaction to listening or watching the mandalorian finale let's see if we can hear it (laughs) 
there's a lot more i'm not going to play the whole thing but she was obviously crying just as much as the rest of us were as well so <laughs> let's start at the let's start at the top and let's try and work our way through i know there's a lot of excitement in the air but so at the beginning of this episode we start off with a little chase scene um dr pershing is in it's one just, shuttle it's what? just fantastic fantastic just from that alone like seeing the slave one actually fly like that and seeing boba pilot that was just alone the starting i was like this is gonna be a great episode there's no yeah. way this can get worse because it's only gonna get better from here <laughs> i i think when i was first watching it i was like okay all the budget from the last episode went to this one like right away <laughs> um but yeah so we start off with that little chase sequence uh they they commandeer that shuttle and they they find Dr. Pershing and he's able to give them the schematics of the ship that Moff Gideon is on. And that's how they plan the rescue for Grogu. Um, now, when they got into the ship and they, they decided when they made their plans and stuff like that, they they also got Bo-Katan and who, what is the other Mandalorian's name? Do you know? I can never remember off the top of my head. I know we'll that she was in Clone well, We'll just say Sasha Banks, since that's the actor. So we've got Bo-Katan and Sasha who come in uh, to help Din on this, on this new quest that he's got. And the deal that they make is Bo gets the Darksaber if she can help Din get the child back. So this is something that has been... She's been trying to make this deal over and over. It happened in episode four of the season the same exact negotiation or whatever but what i thought was funny was the second he gets there and starts to talk with Bo, she's already pissed off you can tell she's having a bad day she's probably been trying to get this dark saber for so long and she's so fed up i thought it was really funny and her interaction with boba i thought was fantastic and yep. the whole fact about when she was like oh your dad don't you mean your donor you're not a mandalorian What'd you think about that scene? Like getting the team together. I loved it. And the fact that they gave us that callback to I've heard your voice over a thousand times from Love a thousand it. different I, I like that was just such a sweet callback where it was it that was music to my ears when she said that. And then um all was and the name was um Kasoka. Costco, not Kasoka. Kasoka, Costco. Okay, good. Now we know. yep and i i just loved all that interaction of clearly both know that he's not a true mandalorian and then you gotta even think about din doesn't even realize boba's just a clone right like din doesn't realize and probably still doesn't even know what that means (laughs) yeah well he might have be getting more and more of an idea since the last episode he said they'll recognize my face you know that's true because he was hiding he hasn't been hiding, but at the same time, you have to kind of wonder how much Din actually knows, especially with this episode. Like, Din doesn't know a lot, clearly. <laughs> right. like, there's a lot he doesn't know. Was he in Carbonite for the last 20 years or something? Cause... <laughs> no, he was just in that tunnel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was stuck in there the whole time. Um, so, yeah, what I loved... Actually... Wait, say that again. You cut out. He was actually under a rock. <laughs> Literally. What I liked about this band of merry men and gentle women was that they all they're all working together for one 
rescue, but they're working together, not because they like each other or they're, uh, they respect each other, but because they all have this, I guess, kind of not debt, but this honor in place for Din and he just wants to save this child or whatever. And even though they have different religious aspects of the Mandalorian and the Boba and Bo don't like each other, they all still work together to, to go against the empire. And I, which kind of, to me made me think of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Cause they're all not really real close together, but they did work together to, to help rescue the child. And I really like that part about it. And it's not just like, Oh, we're all best friends. Let's go and, uh, you know, defeat Moff Gideon. Cause that would have been boring, you know, but instead we got mm-hmm. something a little bit more emotionally weighted to it, which was interesting. Yeah. Cause it could have meant that this mission would go bad, like really fast, but luckily it didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on. Let's jump into when they finally approach the ship or whatever. So I loved how they were faking it with the shuttle saying, oh, we need we need to get inside. We're being attacked or whatever. I thought that was a great plan. It reminded me a lot of the heir to the Empire books, the way Thrawn would strategize, use military strategy <laughs> against yeah, like, um, But I really loved that. And then they break in. What I thought was funny was once they, once they get into the hangar, Boba Fett's just like, peace, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I was disappointed by that. I won't deny that. I was because too. in the first scene, Boba goes, "We can do this on our own." Yeah, and I was like, "Like I was, I was hoping to see four Mando suits just going through wrecking havoc in the Empire shuttle um, in the cruiser." And but then all of a sudden, it was just as you said, "Okay, I did my job. Peace." <laughs> but it's like he. Why wasn't he there? Because Fennec was in the hangar. You know. I, but part of the thing, the reason why I think, and uh, we'll, we'll save that for the end, um, because I don't want to, I want to start strategically. I'm just going to take a note of what I was about to say so I don't forget it. Yeah, please do. Um, but anyway, I love that strategy breaking in. And when they got in, you could really sense the fear in Moff Gideon, which I really loved. I felt this more than I did last episode when he was supposed to be scared then. I didn't really buy it. I didn't think it fit, but in this one, it made sense because they were on his turf and he fell for it in a way. So I really loved that he was scared at this moment. I think it was too, I think it was premature last episode. Um, But following their break-in, something really amazing happened. And that was, we, we get more women representation in Mandalorian that doesn't feel forced, which... I really love this this part of it. All the women got together and decided they were going to um, be the Buffalo soldiers and get some of the stormtroopers out of the way so Din could follow behind them and go to save the, the kid. And I really liked it. I thought it, it reminded me of, of course, the Avengers scene when, you know, the A-Force team came out. But that one, you know, really didn't make sense. This one made sense and it kind of fit and I really liked it. And I know a lot of, a lot of girls out there really appreciated that scene. My girlfriend included. What'd you think about that? The whole girl. Um, honestly, it didn't even click to me until you just said it. Oh, really? Uh, the, the, so that shows how unfortunate it was. It was just, yeah. to me, it was like badass people doing what they do best. Um, now that you mentioned it, the only thing that makes me kind of go, 
oh, so that's why the third Mandalorian from the fourth episode wasn't there. Yeah. Now that you point that out, that's the only thing that kind of like jars me a little bit is so we dropped a character for this, but at the same time, didn't even think of, like I did realize he wasn't there, but didn't even think about the way that you're putting it until right there. And that just shows how not forced it was. The only thing I question is where the third guy go? That that's really the only thing that I had in my head when that happened, but that's uh, or not even when that happened. In the beginning of the episode, I was like, so where'd he go? But it wasn't <laughs> right. like, where'd he go? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love that team together. I feel like that team uh, of women, maybe not those specific characters, but that type of team is what we're going to see in Rangers of the New Republic, a team like that. Yeah. Or even... I think, I think Dune series. will be in there, in that for just an episode or two. Um, oh, I, I, I think just for a few episodes or possibly, I don't think she would be the lead, but I would expect something like that there as well for sure yeah i think she's definitely in rangers i don't i really don't like the car dune character this isn't anything about gina carlo in real life i just i don't like the the that character car dune but i love that group of women my favorite part of them was when they're going into like that bridge area and both the mandalorians jump down underneath and then the stormtroopers come and they're like, halt, freeze. And then they come up from below the bridge and start shooting at them. I was like, this is, feels, it reminds me of Clone Wars. Like, this is so great and it's so epic, you know? And, and speaking of that scene, um, something that my wife asked me was, is the force fields. She, she asked, like, what, what's going on there? Like, how are they? And I'm like, well, there's that force field blocking it. And she goes, so if somebody were just to jump down, would they fall in space? And then all of a sudden, as soon as that happened, the stormtrooper gets shot and falls <laughs> off and falls through. And I'm like, well, now you have your answer. <laughs> I and I lo- I noticed that too. I love that. I don't think we've seen that before, have we? I mean, maybe in the Rise of Skywalker when they're in the Rise hangar. of Skywalker's Ray jumps out. That's the only time we see somebody go through the force field. So I already kind of felt had a feeling what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, but then when it actually happened, like right then, it was. It was kind of nice just then giving that sense of gravity and yeah. then anti-gravity. I kind of like how it was just you see him fall this way, then you see that just his force motion from the anti or the gravity in the ship into no gravity at all, and he just kind of floats off in the same direction and a little bit off because the ship is still moving. So it's kind yeah. of like he was just dropped like um, almost garbage, to be 100% honest. <laughs> I, I really like that too. Um, and it, it was just like a very simple visual effect and i love simple visual effects so while the women are off going to the bridge to try and get moff gideon din goes the other way and he's off to rescue the child halfway there he stumbles across the room of dark troopers or as my Um, girlfriend would say zergs an army of zergs before we we get to that let's actually take a few steps back about how he's trying to be stealthy i want to talk about his I want to talk about his mission there, actually, because yeah. this is kind of tying up last week. Um, because I know that I was, I thought the episode of last week was a little bit better than um, you were thinking. Yeah. And then he kind of felt like filler. Um, most of the episode was obviously still filler because, again, the pre credits, not pre credits, um, the review, the pre review before the show actually got started had nothing to do with last week, just like it did with the um, oh, yeah. M count episode. Uh, where nothing uh, happened in that episode besides that was referenced. 
Um, the one thing that was kind of big was as um, Din was making his way to the Star Trooper room, he kept avoiding people by using the peripheral of the helmets as his clo- cloaking. Oh. He never really hit. And I really wanted to point that out to you. Um, it was a big thing that each time that he um, hit, he would get out of the line of sight, but he wasn't hidden. He was just like, I'm now behind this pole and you won't see me until your peripheral would be able to see me. But because you're wearing the helmet, just like me, you can't see me. And then the troopers would keep running past. It, yeah. it, was, it was a slight hint to last week's episode where the peripheral and Nando's like line of sight and how he was always just pinpoint focused on that whatever way he's meant to look. That that was what tied into this episode. And it was only with that stealth mission to the Dark Trooper room. Nice job pointing that out. I would have never thought about that. Uh, but his his whole stealth mission, stealth aspect, um, I also enjoyed too because he, he passed on the way, he passed many stormtroopers and which he easily could have taken out, no no problem. But um, he was kind of in espionage mode where he didn't want to give away his position and set up any alarms, so he just let them pass, um, which of course led up to him getting confronted by the dark troopers. And this was on my wish list um, on my live stream last Thursday, if any of you listening watched it. I... I had hoped that there would be a, an epic dark trooper fight. And when this scene happened and he got confronted by the one, uh, I, I was so thrilled because I also made a video, everything you need to know about the dark troopers, which is also linked below. Check it out, please. Um, and there's not much to tell about the dark troopers. There's really not much lore out there. And everything that we've seen has been in a video game, an old video game, mind you. So it's really not, we don't get to see it at the full caliber that, you know, we got to see in Mandalorian. I love the Dark Troopers so much in this. It really made this episode great for me. Something about this episode, just the way it starts to finish, it's a domino effect. And you're just like, oh, this is great. This is great. This is great. And that halfway point of the Dark Trooper fighting Din Djarin was a big domino for me. And it showed that these these Dark Troopers are tough. They are the elite super droid. And I loved Moff Gideon's mention how, you know, this is phase... Or I'm sorry, this was Dr. Pershing's mention. Uh, you'll never... Yeah, you'll never be able to go up against a phase three trooper. Uh, the only flaw that we found in it was the humanoid person that was driving it. I love that. That was so amazing. And the reason why I leaned back, um, because I thought they were here, but apparently they're not here yet. But the um, game that those were on is Dark Horses 1 and 2. Yeah. I thought I had it on the shelf behind me. Um, In case anybody wants to play those, they're very cheap and can run on any machine now because it was a Windows 98 game. Um, they it actually gives some good lore on dark troopers. You do have it? Um, I don't unfortunately. I thought it got here. I have, I ordered the collection edition from. Oh, you, um, oh, you ordered it? Oh, I see. Yeah, and I thought it was delivered, but apparently it's not here yet because I was about to pull it off the shelf, and that's why I was leaning back, like I think I have it. Nope, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and if you guys want to see what they originally looked like without going through the effort of searching online, it's in the video I provided down below on my everything you need to know about dark troopers. Um, and then of course he goes at it with the spear, the Beskar spear. 
Absolutely loved it. That was the only way he was going to get out of that situation. Did you watch the Game of Thrones spear fight? Since you saw Pedro with the spear in action, did you watch Game of Thrones spear fight? I did. Merc from the live stream sent it to me. And that is also posted on this channel if you guys want to see the reaction to that. (laughs) Um, But what do you think of that whole whole half midway point with the Dark Troopers and the fight and everything? I loved it. It actually made me worried. Like, this is the first time I felt worried for Din because I was thinking that the helmet was going to crack. I, I was thinking I with too. every punch, I was waiting for the for the like best guard to dent randomly. And I think that would have been if they made a small little blemish or a dent. I I know that a normal viewer wouldn't be like, oh, that's obvious why that happened. But every Star Wars fan would be like, oh, geez, well, yeah. like take a step is back. Dark <laughs> trooper made a best guard. Like that's where my head would have gone because that's kind of where my head was going when he was shooting with the blaster. I was like, is the Dark Trooper Beskar? Because for as far as we know, the Empire has more Beskar than Mandalorians do now, as far as we know. And right. part of me was just like, are these made Beskar? And I was just waiting for a crack or something to happen, whether it be the visor, just something where all of a sudden we just see Din's eye and like just the glass breaks. And I was like, I, I felt worried for Din with every punch. And like, it's hard to make you feel that way about a main character because in about everything, in everything made these days, when the main character hits um, some adversity, you kind of are never worried because it's like it's the main character. But with the way this episode was feeling, it, it made me go like, oh, what, what's going on here? I was thinking helmet breaks, and then all of a sudden it's like, Bo be snarky and say like, so is that still the way or something like that? <laughs> like I was, I was expecting like something, but just that scene alone was, it, it put me on the edge of my seat. Yeah. Like, without any doubt yeah dark troopers are tough man i i i really love that scene i thought the at least the glass of his helmet was going to break as well totally thought that was coming this isn't the end of the dark troopers guys i know a lot of them got killed in this one but they're coming back they're definitely coming back in this in this series okay so after he gets he blows the other ones out of the hatch hatch bay and then he finally finds the room where Grogu is in. At the same time, parallel to this, Bo and her crew get to the bridge and find out Moff's not there. Turns out Moff is in the cell with Grogu holding a lightsaber to his head. Almost like a dead man switch, if you notice. Almost like what? Almost a dead man switch, where if Mando shot uh, Moff, the lightsaber would have dropped straight into um, Grogu. So he was using a dead man switch at the end of the day, just my lightsaber's on, and if you notice, um, the fingers were away from where the actual um, igniting button for the dark saber is. He was holding it by the bottom. That way, it was truly just you shoot me, Gregor's gone. Yeah, it was my first thought too. Was like, why don't you just shoot him? Oh, it's over his head. Smart. This guy's smart. But while they're negotiating, one thing that kind of took me by surprise was. I, when Moff Gideon was like, I already got everything I need from him. You take him and let me go on my way and we'll go our separate ways. I really believed him. I really did believe him in that moment. I know that's not what happened, but I thought, wow, Moff Gideon actually has some empathy and some humanity in him. And he's really just going to let him go. And I, I, I really did believe it. And I was, I was just kind of shocked when he made that turn 
that just goes to show how great of an actor um, Giancarlo Esposito is. And, you know, I'd yeah. never seen him before anything else other than this. So this has been a great ride for me because up until now, we have had nothing from this guy. We know he's supposed to be the bad guy and we're supposed to fear him, but don't really know about his character, who he is. And now we know that he is a, he's a freak, man. Yeah, he's he's got, you know, issues and he he's a fucking uh, he's what's the word? Manipulative. He's 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 a liar, he's stealthy and he's a trickster yep. and I love you know, that that what that's what makes him evil and I love that. Um what did you he's think about Moff Gideon in this whole episode? Basically, he's Loki before he turns good. It's kind of the way that I feel about yeah. Moff. I yeah. feel like really from I feel like his characters inspired from early loki um in the avengers or marvel um universe like it really feels that way before he sees like loki see the light moth is never going to see the light though um i i did love how he genuinely looked shocked when he thought that he had din right where he wanted him and then all of a sudden the dark saber just stop on the armor and it it was so fast but if you actually watch his first strike um Moth actually looks shocked by it. It's just glancing off. It, it, it's only on one shot, but the first one is like he looks shocked on the first strike. Oh, I didn't notice. It, and it, it, like to me, at least the eyes were like they went from like angry to wide open on that one. I don't know if that was intentional or whatever the case may be. But Probably to me, I to me I read it as it glanced off. What like just because. <laughs> I know that all of us were on the edge of our seat the first time Ahsoka's lightsabers met Mando's armor. All of us were like, yes! Like, because we, we knew, but we, we hadn't seen. And then an empire that knows a little bit about Mandalorian history, obviously, from what Moff kind of hinted that he knows um, and admitted that he knows. Yeah. Um, he's, he's not going to know everything. I, I feel like Din probably didn't even truly know that because Din didn't know what the Jedi were in yeah. the, the first season. He probably didn't know his lightsaber, his armor was lightsaber proof. So yeah, I, I really totally. love how his eyes got wide on the first glance. And it's something that happened so quick. I kind of wish they brought more attention to it if it was purposeful. But if you watch Moff's eyes, they get wide on that first, um, that first glance off of him. So I have a question about that. Uh, but in order to get it answered, uh, let's jump up a little bit to when they, when he brings Moff to Bo. Uh, he's got the child in his hand, and he's got the dark saber in the other. And the look on Bo's face was like, "What are you doing with that?" Din takes it yep. as, "I saved the kid. Here's the guy." And she's just like, "No. Oh, what are you doing with my saber?" Like I thought that was great. Like she doesn't care about Moff getting anymore. She's just like. I'm only focused yeah. on my dark saber. Why do you have and, it? And that's why Bo also claimed him in the beginning. But all, all nobody said that she wanted to beat him, or she didn't make it clear that she wanted to be the one to best him. It was, I don't care what happens to Moff. I just need him on his knees in front of me or whatever, um, admitting defeat is all she said. And never said what about him or why or anything. And just because she assumes Din knows enough about the Mandalorian history. And again, clearly he doesn't. <laughs> so the question I have about that is 
Moff Gideon knows the the honor system of the dark saber according to Bo-Katan. Now, do you think he he threw that fight with Din so that he would get it cuz she that way it would put him at a disadvantage against against Bo and maybe help him escape? Um I don't think so. I know it's a stretch, but he I, knew that I, this would I, happen. He knew it would happen. I think he was kind of viewing it as he's in a win-win situation because I feel like he felt like he was dealt the hand that he's got a pair, he's got a pair in his or two pairs in his hand. And then there's the possibility of a third pair on the table kind of thing. And he was going with, I have two pair if I win against um, Din, but I still have that ace up my sleeve if I lose. And I kind of think that's where he was thinking with it. I don't think he threw it on purpose, though. I think it was just, I can lose this battle and I still have the chance of winning. Like, yeah. the chance of winning is as high, but I still have a chance of winning even if I lose. Uh, I definitely agree. Uh, it was just something I wanted to throw out there. And again, back to Moff Gideon. This guy, he did, he, the actor did so well. When he's laying on the floor, he's in a position of like, He's he's on a lower level than they are, so he's automatically viewed by the audience perspective as like uh, no longer in power, in a position of power. Yet he still is kind of controlling the situation around him so cleverly, and he's yep. telling Din about the 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 dark saber to Bo, telling Bo how you can't get what you want now. You guys have to fight. I still win. I got the child's blood, like all that kind of stuff. And I just I love the way he presented himself on screen this was the moff Gideon i wanted to see all the way back in season one and i'm so glad it we got to see more of him just in general the one thing that i would say is um are you okay with taking the next step for before i bring this up do it all right so the one thing that i'm confused about though is did he call the dark troopers back um or what took them so long to return like that's where my head went really like, why do they randomly come back about 20 minutes later after this one epic battle? And then now we throw um, Moff on the, in the, like, the main floor. And then everybody's talking casually. And then they come back. And I'm just kind of like, what took them so, like, I understand they got sucked out. But what just stopped them from flying straight back after that propelling stop? And they could use their thrusters to get back. Or did he, like press something on his wrist that they didn't make it clear that that happened but did he go and regroup i think it would have been cooler if they pushed something like on his on his chest plate or something i think you could argue that you know pershing said it will take them about five minutes to fully charge up so maybe when they got flushed out they'd only been charging for a minute and since they were getting pushed back and the ship was going forward Maybe it took them a while to charge so they could catch up with the ship again. But, you know, it's that congratulations. You found a plot hole in the Mandalorian. (laughs) Um, I have the one more that I took a note of um, once we get to that point. (laughs) I think I know what you're going to say, too. But so, yeah, the Dark Troopers come back. When they came back, man, this at this moment, I was like, I feel like there's five minutes left of this show. I'm freaking out because something big has got to happen. And I don't, I, I know what's coming, but I don't know what's coming. And when the dark troopers flew back in, I was like, Oh, you, you're all dead. Like this, you're dead. 
someone's going to come with a lightsaber and save you all. That's the real rescue. And I just started getting really, 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 really excited. And it's just, again, I really wish I was watching this with somebody because it, it was such a special time, just a very special episode. But of course, they don't know what to do. They're pounding down the door, trying to break in. And then what do they see off in the distance? That's when I jumped up and um, yelled. They all of a sudden, you got, there's an incoming ship. And then all of a sudden, one lone X-Wing comes in. I knew exactly who it was right when that happened. I will say that was one thing that disappointed me, though, was the way that they introduced them. (laughs) I think I rather, no, no, but my my reason being is, because we didn't see Luke's face for so long, this is my reason being. I would have liked that anticipation of let's kind of what we've been talking about. Was it Ezra? Was it Luke? That's what we knew in both green lightsabers. So kind of what I wish they would have done is a ship just docked and like that be it. We didn't see the X-Wing through the window or see it park um, or land inside via hangar. I kind of wish it was just a, we just got boarded. And then all of a sudden looking at the camera and there's a cloaked figure with and hiding the fact that one is a black glove hand, one is regular hand, just hide, just making a cloaked figure and just a green lightsaber. Now we would have all assumed Luke just from that, but it would have led to more speculation for the, that was almost four minutes we watched Luke just do his thing. And I do got to say, it reminded me a lot of Darth Vader Rogue One at the very end scene. They, they I saw definitely... someone put a side by side up of that. Oh, they, they put i didn't even see that like that's just where my head was at like i was like this reminds me of rogue one and yeah. i don't I'm not upset by that just like but, his daddy um, <laughs> but like that's the one thing that i kind of wish that they did different is where the face reveal would have been even more shocking you know i think i still got the same shock probably just from the x one but i feel that if i'm just watching this hundred figure because as um on the live or on your live stream the other day and we were all talking in the chat. It was like um, a couple of people were thinking that it was just going to be some new Jedi that had nothing to do with the Star Wars lore. And it was going to be a new guy that will have something to do with Star Wars lore, but just a no-name kind of guy or yeah. Ezra or Luke. I think it just would have been cool if it was just a hooded figure until we see just black hood, like it's just shadow. And then, and then you see Luke's face. And then, you know, I think that that would have been, I think it would have given me more chills. Just that that's my only reason. Um, What they did was still amazing. I just think I would have had more chills from them doing it that way. Mm -hmm. But then it was cooler knowing I was watching Luke the entire time. So I'm very mixed about it, but that's kind of what I, like, I'm very mixed. (laughs) I feel you. I feel you. I I would have been just as thrilled regardless of how they had done it. I do like your idea, though. But, yeah, the second I saw it, you guys can watch the video of my reaction, but I'm sitting there like, no, no. (laughs) And in my head, I have a thousand thoughts going through. I'm like, they're actually doing it. They're actually doing Luke Skywalker. But then I was also like, oh, they're screwing with my head. It's going to be someone else. It's going to be that Asian guy. It's going to be, it's going to be Cal. It's going to be Ezra. And they just happen to be flying in as X-Wing as well. So I was trying not to get too hyped up about it. And then you see the green lightsaber. And I'm still, I was like, okay, don't get your hopes too high. Don't get them too high. And then you see his black hand, like the gloved hand. They didn't hide that it was Luke's X-Wing then. Just got to point that out. They didn't hide it. Like that, like when they, they see the one X-Wing past the window, 
it was clear it was um red five it was, it was clear that it was luke's x-wing just just casually flying by it was like <laughs> i was too busy yeah. jumping to notice it <laughs> now again ray piloted luke's x-wing one time so anybody oh, could yeah. be piloting but at this time, <laughs> it's Ray. <laughs> it's Ray. <laughs> From the, the holiday special, it's all canon now. She went back in time and <laughs> made it to the Mandalorian. <laughs> so that's what happened here. That's how you trained. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but what I what I loved about the scene, not only was it Luke Skywalker, but the direction of this episode, you even if it was someone like you who knew right away that's Luke Skywalker. There was still some sense of mystery about it. Even when you see him in the hood, even when you see the saber, there's still this sense of wonder about who is this man, even though you know who he is, you're still like, I know who this is, but where has he been? What has he been up to? What's his face look like now? Even though we know, but I think the way that just the pacing, the direction, the shot choice of this episode was done so well. And I got to say his name, Peyton Reed, the director, absolutely fantastic. He did uh, the Ice Spiders episode. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. Which was another one I loved. A lot of people really don't care for it. But Peyton Reed is fantastic. I, I've never seen such quality work in Ant-Man, Ant-Man 2, Yes Man, Bring It On. But you could tell this dude is a Star Wars fan, and he really treated this one very delicately. But Luke Skywalker, he, he does. Man. He deserves his own trilogy, especially after this. Like, oh my god, this could you be, imagine? This would be the this not this would be this was the best episode of Mandalorian. Period. And I think even when when season three comes out, I don't think he can beat this one either. I think this is now permanently the best ever. Um, like it was, it was just too good. And there's still so much more that I want to talk about. And we've talked about so much already. <laughs> I know. I know. I was thinking the same thing in my reaction. I was like, they can't top this. They can't top this. This is the, this is the, this is the top of the, this is, a, you can't top this episode. Like, how are they going to go forward? Let me ask you something real quick. Um, because this is one thing that I really felt. Did it feel like the series ended? It totally felt like a, a series finale. It, it to me it feels like the series just like ended like to um kind of moving forward for, to the after credit scene. The um the book of Boba. Can't wait for that. The fact oh, that we're gonna yeah. get two TV shows next December. But did, like when they announced that, I was like, is season three actually happening or is Book of Boba season three? That is where my head is at. Where, where do they go from here? Like, I know the Siege of Mandalore, um, Taking Back Mandalore, the Dark Saber with Bo-Katan versus Din. I, I know there's still so much more. But the way that we've kind of discussed before, without Grogu, is this a show? And the way that it just all ended, it made it ended with a bow on it. Like, I, I almost want that to be the series, like the ending of the series, just a two-season series. I don't want that, but I do want it's. And then the book of Boba just feels and something that wasn't announced at um, what you call it, the Investors Day, but book of Boba coming out in December 2021. I was like, season three is supposed to come out in December 2021. 
So we're getting two TV shows or Book of Boba season three? <laughs> Check this out. Here's I mean, one of my theories. My I, I totally feel you. Here's one of my theories about that. So I think there is in development or in pre-production a well Boba Fett that show is in production right now. We we me and you talked yep. about that like three four weeks ago. Um, that's in production. And Mandalorian is in development. Season three is in development. I think what they're going to do, because uh, we kind of skipped around, but Grogu is off with Luke now. He took Luke and he, he went away. I want to come back to that. But with the Boba thing, right now we're in the position where the show felt like a finale, but there's still a lot left to unpack and explore as far as Mandalore and the Darksaber and all that kind of crap. Um, the question is, we asked this last week, me and you talked about it. Can this show survive without Grogu? Grogu's with Luke now. Din did say that I will see you soon. I pro- I'll see you again. I promise. So my theory is we are getting a season three of Mandalorian and we're getting Boba. Boba will come out next year. Mandalorian season three will not. They're testing the waters to see can this show really last without, can we really make a show without Grogu and make it popular? And if it's not as popular, they will do a time jump and then the following year, they will have Mandalorian come back and there'll be a time jump and Grogu's a little older and he comes back with Amanda. So, so they do teenage group is what you're saying. Yeah, I, that's one of the thoughts uh, I, I heard. I felt right away. They're gonna, he's going to come back and be like one of the little jumping frogs from Attack of the Clones <laughs> and he's going to be like going crazy and stuff, but as like a teen. So I, I don't, I, I agree with your theory, but the thing is, they've already confirmed Mandalorian season three is Christmas Day next year. That's already been confirmed. Oh, they um, said Christmas. Oh, they did say Christmas, didn't they? Yeah. So season three is already confirmed for next year. So I I do agree with what you're saying. And I Boba do is see, on Christmas. Yeah, and that that's what made me go is season three actually Boba, and they're actually done with Mandalorian. Now there's so much more to unpack there because. Bo-Katan wants the Darksaber back. Um, I personally think Din is like, I don't want it, but then Din's going to become the rightful ruler of Mandalore. And he's going to be, you know, your way is the wrong way. I may have been wrong about this is the way, but your way is also wrong because you're just hungry for power. Like, you could easily state that Bo-Katan's hungry for power. Um, So I kind of feel like there's so many directions they can go with it. And I do believe Grogu will come back as a Jedi Padawan. We'll see Luke and Grogu every now and then. Um, Grogu will probably assist in taking back Mandalore in some way. Um, probably with a little tiny green lightsaber running around the field going, <laughs> just swinging around at, at people's shins, not even kneecaps, their shins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's but there's that, no way. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, go right ahead. There's no way they're going to continue this show without Grogu. I mean, the toy sales alone won't let them do that. They won't do that to themselves. <laughs> it's just impossible. But the question is how. So, well, let's jump back into speculation, but relay real quick. Um, after he, they interact with Luke for the first time, um, when he first got up there, one of the first things I thought he was going to say, it would have been so cheesy as hell, but I would have adored it. Is he takes off the cloak? I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would have lost that. my mind. <laughs> um, oh, and go, go ahead. ahead. No, I'm, my, I'm 
Mine, mine's a different topic. If, if you're okay, let topic. me continue. Um, so when he, I just want to talk about the moment when Grogu leaves Din's arms and and taking off the helmet, because I was already very emotional that Luke was on screen. I was watching the screen through watery eyes and it was already really hard to keep it together and i i was trying to keep it together because i knew there was a camera recording so i didn't really want to break down in front of everybody but when din takes off his helmet to look at grogu through his actual eyes really got to me and it's one of the most powerful moments i think i've seen ever in a tv show this whole ending the whole ending all together like I said, the domino effect. One thing after the next, it just keeps getting better and better and better. And I think it has to do with the pacing of this episode. And just the way it built up with them separating, him going off, and Grogu walking up to Luke Skywalker. And then you see this guy. Then you see and that's R2-D2. Actually and I, I'm 90% sure Grogu and R2 know each other. I'm 90% sure. I could totally see that happening. That's why he was like so excited. They were having conversations like, and the fact that Grogu could talk to a robot, but not know the difference between red and blue wires. <laughs> um, like when they, like when they first met, I was like, they know each other because R2 is excited to see him. Part of me goes is R2 the one who saved Grogu. Like, yeah. Like yeah. Was, was R2 part of the rescue mission? Like, just instantly once I saw that, I was like, they know each other. There's no doubt in my mind they know each other. Yeah, as soon as I I saw R2, like I said, I was trying to hold everything together. But I saw R2, and that did it for me. I lost all control, and I just legitimately started crying. And it's – R2 wasn't even my most favorite emotional part of this show. It was just the last piece of the puzzle to really make me break down. And it was a perfectly made puzzle. And – one thing I just want to talk about really quickly. I know you want to say something, um, but seeing the R two thing was. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. But, so back to Luke. Luke. This was the most important thing for me. This was the Luke that I wanted. I've always wanted to see for like my entire life because we grew up not getting to experience the original trilogy, and of course he wasn't in the prequel. And my, I really just didn't like how he was in the sequel trilogies at all. I really didn't care for it. And it wasn't what I wanted to see. I know those are expectations, you know, those are kind of poor expectations they have. But, and this does, has nothing to do with my distaste for the sequels. This was a Luke Skywalker I thought I was never, ever going to see it again in a new tale. And to see him in the black robes and for him to come up, this was like, it just made everything it meant everything to me and it was so special and it's so hard not to like just cry about it right here because it's it was it was amazing i i loved it everything about it i mean did that and how did you feel i loved how that shows how strong he was with the force because that's one thing that we never really got except for in the sequels and then as you said wasn't necessarily the best direction for luke i understand the direction but wasn't necessarily the best and then all of a sudden we just see him literally, I, I know it wasn't a force joke, but it was a force choke <laughs> crumple of a robot. Oh, and he like, yeah, and he yeah, compounds it, like, it. I was like, oh. I 
love seeing that. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah, he's he is the most powerful Jedi, at least at this time period. Um, but yep. what's except great about Leia, Luke? Wait, sorry. Except for Leia, apparently. Just saying. Oh. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Dude, what if Leia comes back in season three or something? I, I, I want that, but I don't want it solely I, because I, I feel you too. I feel bad about saying it. <laughs> but <laughs> like, the great. Really... Um, I was what? just going to say rewatching Rise of Skywalker for um, the live stream on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Uh, or I guess since y'all will be hearing this on Monday, yesterday. Yesterday. Um, <laughs> like uh, rewatching that, it makes me realize that that's a pet peeve of mine was they, they didn't do Carrie Fisher justice. And I yeah. I would love yeah. to see Leia back in some form of fashion. But if they bring her back, it needs to be in my opinion, it can't be what they did with Mark Hamill and de-age the face, make it look more like Mark Hamill, then use Mark Hamill's voice on top of the actor who is acting as Luke. Um, because Mark Hamill can still do that. Harrison Ford can still do that. Yeah. But Carrie can't do that, so I'd rather just be a whole new Leia and just something that looks similar. It could be Leia's daughter, um, Billy. could be Billy if they really wanted to do that. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. But my, the last thing I'll say about Luke, what's so, so great about Luke being in this episode and the time period it takes place is every Star Wars fan who doesn't like Luke in the sequels and doesn't acknowledge the sequels but likes this one can still love this this episode, this season, and not have it affect The Last Jedi. People who love The Last Jedi, Luke, Having him in this doesn't affect him in The Last Jedi. The two have, they have really have nothing to do with each other as far as your fondness of them goes. And that way, anyone who, you know, they're taking that hate that was so divisive from two years ago, and they're making it so that people can like sit back in their chairs again and relax and not have to fight each other about it. Because now we all have something we want. I got the Luke yep. I want. And now I don't have to worry about the Luke I, I got because it doesn't matter anymore. I finally got what I wanted. So now we, I, there's nothing to complain about, you know? I got what I wanted, and I think it's fantastic. I don't know. And I think it's going to change a lot of people's thoughts on Star Wars. The, the future of Star Wars is bright and long. It, it's going to yep. be great. I can't wait. What else you got? What else you want to talk about? So one thing that I want to point out is um, the reason why Boba had to say peace um remember i wrote that down in the beginning yeah yeah so the reason why is and it's a story plot um that they just completely avoided because luke appeared what was the what was the thing that boba was last doing so if all of a sudden oh my god boba in the room and luke walks in do you think it would have been a fight it would have been a fight right there or like smart luke Luke would have been doing something or Boba would have been on guard. It would have been two badasses on guard, basically. Good catch. <laughs> and, Good and catch. And that is, that is why they had to say, Boba, peace out. Now, when that happened, I, like the first time I watched it, obviously I did not know why that happened. But once I saw who was there, it kind of made sense of, okay, yeah, that that's why Boba had to say bye and not be a part of this episode is because – 
you can't put these two in a room and act like there are no issues. <laughs> wow, I didn't think of that. That is so true. Um, they should have. I don't really. I don't have a big problem with it, but yeah, now that you think about it, they should have given it another reason for him to dip out. Yeah. Besides, like just that, dodging the, the story. Like, like that's the only thing that I could think of. Of that's the story plot of they were like, oh, I don't want to touch this with a ten foot pole, so. Boba, your mission is to use a slave one and act like you're a pirate, and then right. say peace. <laughs> it, it's an easy ride out. It's but that that's lit, that's that's got to be why they were smart like, way to avoid it. Yeah, <laughs> Dan, that's a that's a really good catch. I I would never have thought about that. Man, that would have been something, wouldn't it? That would have ruined that ending though if he was there. Yeah, but then it would have been a good lead on season three of now. Dan has to choose a side, Grogu's master or. It would have been a good different direction than season three will obviously go because season three is obviously going to be trying to take that back Manda, um, Mandalore and also Bo-Katan versus Din. And Din is a natural born leader, whether he wants to admit or not. And eventually that's going to take effect on all this yeah. as well. Yeah. And then something that has happened between those two. Um, but yeah, that's that's really why I think Boba just had to say peace was it's too awkward if you didn't do that. Yeah. (laughs) Otherwise, otherwise people would have been asking, you're going to tell them like if they were in the same room and they had no reaction to each other, then everybody's going to be like, okay, you're not, Luke's not going to (laughs) mention, didn't you? (laughs) They should make one of those, how it should have ended like animation (laughs) things with that happening. That'd be amazing. That'd be really cool. (laughs) One thing that's interesting about Boba Fett, he's a lot younger than Bo-Katan, right? But he looks a lot older than her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just think that's funny. I do want to talk about one. one more thing about Bo. Um, I mean, you could argue this, though, before we um, go to Bo-Katan, just about how Boba looks um, a lot older. You could argue that because clones were engineered to grow fast, um boba they said was engineered to grow at a normal rate but it could have been that there's a slight flaw where he's still aging instead of for a normal clone it was like one years 10 years something like that i can't remember exactly like what the math was it could be that one year is 1.5 years for boba yeah so we, we can we'll give that as an excuse there <laughs> uh, i definitely believe that i definitely believe he still has clone attributes in him some kind of uh, ge- uh genetic mutations aside from being a clone um bo-katan let's uh the the whole thing about her not taking the dark saber because it's not the honorable thing to do or the fashionable thing to do she was given the dark saber by satine in rebels so what has changed or is that just is that just another plot hole or has something happened in that time period that has made her change her mind could it be that sabine was um it's part of the same clan, so it wasn't as big of a deal, because really it's the clan that is ruling Mandalore. Oh, the Kree's but, clan? Yeah, and because you have um, Sabine gave her um, the Darksaber, and because they were part of the same clan, could it have been more respectable that way, since they were in the same, because they were the same household, am I thinking incorrectly? No, they were. Okay, so yeah, because they were in the same house, um, maybe it's not as big of a deal, but because Din is a different clan of Mandalore, um, maybe that's the difference is 
I, I'm just, I don't know. Um, I, it's just something that kind of fixes that plot hole a little bit, where it's, you're the leader of my clan, and I have the dark saber. You should be the one with this. But now it's, I'm the leader of my clan, and this foundling in another clan from the watch has the dark saber. I can't just take it from you. That's kind of the only thing that kind of patches it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I will totally stand behind if Dave Filoni and John Favreau want to say that we effed up, this is the new canon. I'm totally down for that because I love the way it was done. Um, I just do have questions about it. I think there's a huge history, a huge chunk of history about Mandalore we don't know. And it could tie into this, it could not. But I like what you said about the clan thing. That's a very good thing to point out. That could be true, actually. But it was just something I thought about after the fact. Um, but in the moment, it works for me. Everything about this episode, most importantly, uh, speaking on growth of this show, this was the best episode, I think. Best directed, best acted, performance all around. But, but most importantly, the most growth I've seen in this episode compared to the others was the music. The music of this oh, episode. Yeah. You know, I've been the biggest critic of Ludwig van Corson. And that's yep. really saying something because I'm a musician myself <laughs> and he does good work. I have just never been a fan of a lot of the choices he's made. I think it doesn't fit. I think he's still, he was trying to find his, his sound. He was, he was going the experimental route, which I appreciate, but at the same time, I'm so familiar with star Wars music and how it should be similar yep. to how, not just John Williams, but also Kevin Kiner from Clone Wars and Rebels, how he composed. But this last episode, I feel like Gorison finally figured out, figure out what the sound of this show is. There was only one time, but it fit. There was only one thing that made me go to start, like kind of how I said this is a Star Wars music when it was um, the heist um, back on when we first saw Bokkan in that. Um, oh, the other episode. episode. The only, yeah, the other episode. The oh, okay. only thing that kind of threw me off in this episode with music, where I was like, "That's not Star Wars music," but it fit, was when the dark troopers were powering on, and it played dubstep, and I was like, "I was like, it fits, it fits," but it, it this isn't, this isn't, <laughs> doesn't sound right to me, but it fits. <laughs> I I absolutely love that. Normally, I would dislike it, but there was something about that version. It was, it wasn't just a dubstepy sound, an electronic sound. It was also an analog electronic sound. So he was <laughs> he's using actual synthesizers, actual plugins, not digital interfaces. And I think that's what gave it that extra bit of soul to it is he's using gotcha. analog, not digital. And I, I absolutely he does it with all his stuff, but this one I feel like he really went into like the experimental underground styles of <laughs> EDM and stuff like, like that. I enjoyed it. It just the it fit perfectly. It was just one of those things of it that did. was the only thing in this that you go, this doesn't sound Star Wars, but I'm not against it. Like it was just one of those things of like it was jarring solely because it was and like I know that you just said it's not true EDM. Um, but it was still like that's something that made me raise my eyebrows, like it fits, but is 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 this Star Wars? Like that's the only thing I had to question, but out of the whole episode. If it didn't fit, then I would have been like, just like how it fit in the um, heist, or that wasn't 
was that episode called the heist i think it was um just like that episode it fit here so it, it may not be what we're exactly expecting but he is making things fit where honestly john williams i don't think could because john williams is too traditional definitely (laughs) he could not do this he could never get that to work where like and i feel like the only problem like when we have issues with star wars music now is john williams sets such a high bar and then when somebody goes the untraditional route it's like it fits but is it right like that that's where our heads are at right now yeah so it is going to take some weaning off of john williams like it'll be a while before we as star wars fans can just go whatever music you choose works as long as it fits right like it's going to be a while before we get there (laughs) i i 100 agree um I still believe Kevin Kiner is the closest thing we have to it. Um, if anyone's interested in hearing more about the music of Star Wars, I did an entire episode on the music of Star Wars. It's about an hour and 20 minutes long. I really dive deep into what makes the music good. We talk a little bit of theory and about counterpoint and all this kind of stuff that John Williams implemented into this his movies. The last thing I'll say about Ludwig's music is about counterpoint. For those of you who don't know, counterpoint is when... Uh, the musician will complement a certain action point on screen with a musical cue, such as a a trumpet appearing when an explosion happens. That's a very, very brief example of what counterpoint is. And I think Ludwig's counterpoint exercise in this really stood out on the last scene when Luke was, ca- I mean, yeah, Luke was carrying Grogu away to the elevator. And again, this goes back to direction, both of them working harmoniously together in perfect unity the pacing of that it was very slow the shots were drug out there was many different angles and reactions of people and you know in real time that probably took 30 seconds from a walk down the hall it took us like two minutes to get around to it but the music behind it the the shot list of it everything about that felt so right and it felt like star wars not it felt like original trilogy star wars to me it it really helped bring the tears really showed the sincerity in what was going on it made the acting better like yeah symbols that and all they were doing was walking but it made the acting better yeah because yeah uh what's it pedro pascal is a good actor he's a great actor i did not like his performance in last week's episode at all but he's still a good actor and still probably performed really good but it's how you how you can have that relationship with the director and the actor and make sure you're getting the perfect thing because that could probably could have been really great it was just a matter of getting the right shots getting the right movements right pacing all that kind of stuff Uh, but he everyone everyone shined in this episode all departments i thought i can't express enough how amazing this episode was man i loved it even bib shined in this episode (laughs) (laughs) oh my god bib fortuna (laughs) Uh, that gave me a chuckle you know and normally something like that i would have been like "Eh, it's kind of cheesy but it's because of how they set it up they make you feel they make you laugh and love and cry and then they give you something funny to laugh at and it's okay at that point because you went through every emotion you can think of (laughs) But that, that that closing credit scene was honestly, if it was at the end of any other episode, I wouldn't have caught it. 
because normally I just, I click to the next, I click out and turn my TV off. But with this one, I was sitting on my couch, just staring at the TV. It's because I was so uh, filled with love. <laughs> but the thing that made it feel like the credit was coming was the fact that they didn't show the concept art right after. I was going to say that no concept art. <laughs> I was disappointed like with that. That's really what kind of said, what are you making me watch for? Because usually I will stick around for like the first few concept art pieces and then I'll like pause, back out, whatever the case may be. But this one, because it was just a black screen and you would give me the warning um, to stick around because the extra um, after credit scene. Um, but I, I think that just not having the concept art would have made me go, what's going on here? Because it yeah. felt very Marvel style, to be honest with you how yeah. they did a quick speed through credits because they were very fast credits compared to usual. And then here's the after credit. This was very similar esque. So I was upset that there was no concept art, but at the same time, it it should not have been there because we needed that episode to end and for all of us to sit there and just sit with what just happened, not to be distracted by something new. And it gave us plenty and of time. To... Over. Like, that's why I feel like that we just watched the series end. And then now it's a Ahsoka. Now it's all this other stuff that they announced just a few weeks, not even a few weeks ago. Um, just like feels like a few days ago. I know, right? Um, it, it makes me feel that, like, if I didn't know there was so much more to tell, if I didn't know season three was coming out next Christmas, I would honestly think the show was done. I would be, they just ended it so nicely where it's kind of like, it, it it's kind of like, it almost feels like I'm stretching the battle to get Mandalore back. It feels like I'm stretching that out because the way they ended it. I think that, I honestly feel that the way they ended it is going to hurt the series. I, I truly do because I like, I, I bet that Boba will have higher viewer ratings than Mando season three next year because the way they ended this episode, this episode feels like it's the end of a movie. It's, it's the, it was the end of rise. Not as not the same, but it's the end of a trilogy and kind of like rise of Skywalker. We're not expecting episode 10, at least not during time soon. Yeah. Um, It, we're not sitting there waiting two years from now. It feels like we just had it wrapped up. It doesn't feel like Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and Rise of Skywalker, where it's like, we got to wait two years. It's like, Mando's done. Like, I feel like the anxiety the show gives me of give me next Friday, that it, like that anxiety's gone. I, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm excited for season three, but it doesn't, I'm more excited for Boba because mando feels like it's done they, they did such a good job with this episode and they didn't give us a cliffhanger they didn't give us a cliffhanger like mando completed his quest that is what the show has been and then now it's he completed his quest and he showed me boba yet i know season three is still coming my mindset is now on i'm more excited for boba as we kind of talked about like boba isn't a show that like we need it but after this season of what we've seen for three, four episodes of Boba, I want more Boba. <laughs> like, I want more Boba than Din now because <laughs> the way this ended. <laughs> this, yeah. I think the way this just hurts the series. I think season three, I, I don't know if they've already confirmed season three is the last season, 
of Mandalorian. They have not. But I think they haven't. I think it will be now. I think this episode was so good, but the way they ended it, I think it hurts the overall series. I think they should have given us a cliffhanger of some sort. I do too, because you know why? I can die happy knowing I saw at least the end of season two. I feel like I don't, I don't need, if something happened to my Disney plus or to my financial situation and I couldn't watch it for some reason, I'd be okay. I don't feel that sense of urgency to go watch it. And a lot of the general viewing public might've assumed it was a finale because they're not as into it as we are, you know, because of how that felt. I mean, the whole point of the show is to help Grogu and he's helped now. So what, what, what can general people expect? In the way that it ends for somebody who's not constantly has a flag on Star Wars on Twitter and that kind of stuff, it though the after credit scene switching over to Boba for a casual viewer, okay, Mandalorian's done and now they have Boba coming out. But the Star Wars fandom knows I'm getting two Mandalorian suits next year in December. But it's still just it it just seems like a poor decision where it hurts the Mandalorian TV show, especially the more I think about with the after credit scene. I'm excited for the like for Boba, the book of Boba. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but I think the after credit scene hurts the series of Mandalorian even more. The fact that we know that yeah. all these spinoffs coming out from Mandalorian, um, it, it's I, I don't know. It's just I really think not even can the show survive without Grogu. It's the fact that Bo Katan at the end after Luke leaves. They didn't even give like a glimpse of Bokatan stealing him off away or something just to make another type of like adversity. Like I don't feel that there's any adversity except for what they hinted at of yeah, we know as Star Wars fans, but a normal viewer, it's kind of like, okay, he's got the dark shape or whatever. Like, yeah, they alluded to this, but all right, Grogu's with Luke and they're gone and now black screen credits. I think it hurts. And well, another thing too, is like, even if you are in it in ready for the show to bring you more Ahsoka, she's got her own show now. So you can't even look forward to having Ahsoka back because now you got something else to go watch. I'm I'm right there with you. I don't, it's going to be really hard for them to reel people back in and commit to Mandalorian being the number one priority as opposed to Ahsoka or Boba. I, I think maybe they know that Ahsoka is going to be that new number one hit show um, because that's going to bring you Thrawn. That's going to bring you Ezra. And most likely that'll be what brings you Sabine. Kind of that live action Rebels that I was telling you about, like that I thought that this was going to turn into, which I'm very happy that that's still kind of happening um, because if Ahsoka is not that, I will be <laughs> shocked. I will be like, I will probably not be upset with the show, but I will be immensely shocked if we are not trying to go find Thrawn and Ezra um, with Sabine, I really do feel that that will be Dave wants right to tell after. that story. Exactly. It's going to happen. And so I, I will be completely shocked if that doesn't happen, but it's just kind of because of Investor Day and then this Boba announcement that wasn't even part of Investor Day. And it almost feels like Mandalorian season three is getting the backseat, even though it's confirmed for Christmas Day next year. It feels like it's in the backseat. It, it, it just, I almost feel like season three will actually blemish the series because 
the way that it's um just how it's being presented and advertised now it feels like actually that's really interesting you brought this up because 2015 i'm sorry 2014 a year before the force awakens at then disney announced we're getting a star wars movie every year and what happened it saturated the market they were giving away trilogies giving away stories to anyone who would take them there was a bunch of fallouts between directors and executive producers and writers many many issues and then they were like we're going on hiatus we're switching to television we're doing the same thing mandalorian was a smash and then yep. they were like, let's do 10 other shows. Let's do spin-off shows. I don't think that's the issue, though. I, I don't think them spreading out over different TV shows is the issue. I think it's that, and that's not, where, that's not even where my concern is, because I think that the people they're bringing in and the way that they've shown how to handle this just show and how they're already showing that they can handle Marvel shows, because Marvel has, what, three TV shows coming out um, in the next six months? So that's not really my concern because I trust Disney's TV shows. I, I know that they haven't done the best with Star Wars. And, but the way that Investor Day looks and the way that they're mapping all that out, they didn't announce the 10 TV shows are coming out next year. They've announced Boba, Mando, and I think there was one more. So I think we're going to get maybe three a year. But as long as it's different studios doing them and not just a everybody – take your own movie as movies are higher budget anyway they keep doing what they're doing where it's like this director gets this episode this director gets this episode and kind of breaking up that monotony it will make the show better but it's so that that's really just not my concern my concern is are they going to hurt the flagship like something that season three because i do agree with you with all the movies back to back to back i wasn't upset because i was like hey I never thought I was going to get more Star Wars because George Lucas said I was going to die with him, basically. <laughs> so, like, I like I wasn't I wasn't really upset that I was getting more. I was like, I'm still going to see them in theaters. They're not as good as they used to be, but like Solo wasn't a bad movie. I was actually excited for the trilogy of Solo, especially with the way Solo ended. Um, but they oversaturated the market, as you said. I don't think TV shows are. I think TV shows are harder to oversaturate with. Yeah, and, and that's that. my. And, but it's just that flagship. Do you really want to hurt what made Disney Plus? Like Mandalorian made Disney Plus. They had how many? 13 million subscribers day one of Disney Plus just because Mandalorian was on there. The only thing on there. I mean, yeah, they have a library, but original content, that's it. They made nearly $100 million off of that one TV show, that one episode, not even TV show the one episode that that came out and then now you're going to say season three we're not even hinting that mandalorian will be back like how thanos will be back at the end of um infinity war and then for we didn't even get a the den will be back didn't get a grogu will be back like and i'm not saying that it needs to do that but we got a boba will be back that's what yeah. we got. Yeah. And I think and it's just one of those things of kind of what we've been discussing. Can the show live without Grogu? I think yes, but I think they severely hurt themselves without the cliffhanger for next season. 
it, it feels like the world is happy and is well. Well, the good news is we have John Favreau and Dave Filoni at the helm of three of these shows, and I trust them very much. I also trust Bob Iger, the chairman of the board at Disney, and he's also the uh, executive of creative development. I, I really trust those three people. I was in the position at once where I thought Star Wars doesn't belong on TV. After seeing this episode, I've changed my mind a little bit. I still believe Star Wars belongs in the theater at as first priority, but I'm starting to see how it can survive and adapt to television. This episode was fantastic. Um, I don't have anything else to say about it, except that I loved it. What about you? Any last thoughts? Loved it beyond belief. It's easily the best TV. It's the best episode of anything on Disney Plus right now. 100% agree. Well, I know we went... Sorry, go ahead. It's the best minute, minute per minute, 53, 57 minutes, whatever it was. It's the best minute per minute thing that you can put your time into on Disney Plus. <laughs> you heard it here, but you all know that already. You already watched it. But uh, So we went a long time, but we had to. This was a very important call. And you know what, Dean? This is our last episode of the Mando talk show for a whole year. So... I mean, you'll be back on the channel, definitely. We'll have you back on. And you got your own channel going on. You want to tell people about what that is and what we can expect to come? So um, the channel is Full-Legged Gamer. Um, me and my dogs are unboxing video games. The upcoming episodes, hopefully, um, I think it's supposed to be here tomorrow, actually, um, will be some Star Wars Collector's Edition games. It will be um, Jedi Academy and Jedi, oh, what is it? It was on, it's one of the older ones, not Starfighter. It's one of the Jedi ones. Um, I can't remember which one, what the other one is. It's, um, yeah, I forget all of a sudden. But Jedi, it's um, Jedi Outcast, maybe? Maybe that's it. But I'll be unboxing those fairly soon as well. <laughs> can't wait to see it. But yeah, I will link his channel below. And uh, I don't know, Mando Talk Show, this was the first run doing it on youtube it was a lot of fun i'm actually gonna miss coming here every thursday and talking about <laughs> new star wars but or every monday when it airs <laughs> but guys um the channel is doing great thank you so much for your support and the podcast always does well but the youtube is growing tremendously please tell your friends we are currently sitting at 312 subscribers to the channel that is insane to give you a rough idea 13 days ago, I think we were at 26 subscribers. So this is amazing. I love the support and I'm glad you guys are enjoying the content. So please tell more people about it. If you're an audio listener, please follow the podcast, rate and review on Google, on Apple, on Amazon, and we're everywhere you can find podcasts. So that's it for the Mando Talk Show. We are signing off for this year. We will be back next year with more. And until then, somehow, some way, somewhere this week. May the force be with you.